I'm Sugar. And I'm Spice. And sometimes parenting's not so nice. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Hey, everybody. So sorry that this has taken so long. Um, But I'm glad we're back. I'm sure I speak for us both when I say that. Yeah, I am really glad to be back. And um, we are, again, we are so sorry it has been so long um, for that it's just taken so long for us to get a new episode up. Uh, I know for a fact it happened. I'm sorry. I could. I can. I. I'll take the most of the blame because, um, as of today, so I know we haven't done an episode in at least eight weeks because, well, no, maybe a little less than eight weeks because my twin boys are here. They were born August thirtieth. Um, they're here. They're beautiful, uh, and they're making great strides. And I've had my hands full, so I will take the brunt of this. <laughs> Um, I've been getting back into mommy mode and, you know, think life happens, <laughs> but I'm glad to be back. It does. I will take partial blame because I did go on vacation. And didn't take me. No, I did not take you. Next time I'm just going to go vacation at your house. Yeah, that sounds like <laughs> a better vacation. Me and the boys would love to have you guys. Like, yeah, we need you here. Oh, my God. We so, I mean. I'm really excited about the topic for this week. Um, And, you know, it might be a heavy one. Um, You know, what's love got to do with it? Like all the things that we don't talk about postpartum. Postpartum or what is called the fourth trimester. Woo, I'm actually currently going through this myself. So I guess I'm kind of in the raw of it all. Uh, I just got out of the postpartum phase while we've been out. My baby turned a year old. A whole year? She is a whole year old now. And so, as most of you know, the postpartum phase technically ends once baby turns one. So, I just got out of that phase. And it is barely behind me. (sighs) But was it brutal? Do, it, it wasn't as brutal as we think it is. Is it? Uh, so it isn't, it isn't. And this goes back to our the last episode we actually did because a lot of it had to do with familial issues. Understandable. Because of judgment from family. Um, and about, as you know, my preci- precious angel E., um, baby G was born a year and 13 days after he was. And, you know, we found out we were pregnant right after he had passed. So there was a lot of judgment all the way up. And I'm still getting some of it, um, about having had babies so close together and having had a baby so soon after having one pass, because I guess people think I planned it. You know, and that's so crazy. It. <sighs> It's so crazy. And we are going to actually have a, um, we're going to actually do an episode on that. I don't know exactly where on the schedule that one is, but we are going to do one on that one. Um, I don't know if you guys do know, uh, Spice and myself are both uh, angel parents. And, you know, I don't want to trigger anybody by the topic without an appropriate trigger warning, you know, but I I think that's a topic that I want to dive deep into in a different episode. 
Yeah, Some... just talking. We will have an episode talking about what it is like to be a parent of an angel and what it's like to be a parent of a child after becoming the parent to an angel. Yes, because that is... That is a whole nother yeah. topic in itself and a whole nother can of worms that we will be opening. Woo, I cannot wait. Cannot wait. Um, and, you know, if you did miss our episode on um, family struggles, please feel free to go into the link in the bio. Um, and you can pretty much recap anything that we've talked about. But the last week one that uh, Spice was talking about is definitely a good listen. Um, so this one, we're talking about the postpartum and what's the most, not the most important thing on the postpartum, everything has changed, but there's so many things that we don't talk about that change. I think we, as women, we are just so, we're so heads, headset on, okay, the only thing that changed was the member, the number of members of people in my household, and I'm going to be the complete same. And it's like, you're not going to be the same. And that's absolutely okay. When a child is born, a mother is born. You're not the same person. And that that's not just when it's the first child either. I am not the same person I was when I had my first or my second or my third or my fourth or my fifth. I have changed with each child and I have learned new things. And each of my postpartums has been different. I was a single mother for one of my postpartums. I was the postpartum of, you know, I was a mom of a medically complicated baby for my second postpartum. My third postpartum, I was dealing with, you know, a medically complicated baby and my oldest being diagnosed with autism and the pandemic because he was born right after the pandemic started, like a month later. Um, you know, yeah. It's crazy that you say that because people like, you know, it, it's, it is normal change from one child to the other. And I actually got to see that full circle with my boys. Like I said, I have my twin boys in August. <coughs> I caught your cough. Um, I, I, <laughs> um, I had my twin boys in August and um, one went to the NICU for a week and one baby I got to bring home. It was only for one day. And I, that first night when I only had the one baby with me was complete. Like I became from that first night home with just one to the next night where I had both, I was a completely different person <laughs> because that first night I'm like, heck yeah, I got this. And oh my God, it tw having twins postpartum and everything else in 24 hours. Oh yeah. That, that, ooh. That second night, I got to call it 3 a.m., something about a firehouse. Oh, God, yes. Because at that point, I'm just like, he's cute. I can, like, drop him off at the fire station, right? He's he's adorable. Um, of course, I would never do that. Like, I love my boy. Um, I just, you know, in the NICU, they just get, you know, there's so many hands. Like, there, there may not be a full staff of nurses, full staff. Um, but, you know, there's more than just me and there's somebody there's a new shift every, you know, either eight or 12 hours. And if you need a hand, there's there may be a nurse who can assist you. And at home, because I'm a single mother by choice at home, it's just me. And it was just me 
taking care of two different people who had, even though they're twins, with one being in the NICU, they both had completely different needs. And, oh, oh, geez. (laughs) That, I, I definitely found my power that night, and I've been powering through since then, you know? You also discovered the magic of monsters. Oh, my God, yeah. So... The last eight weeks of my life have been sponsored by the letter M, which stands for monster. Now, I am not being sponsored by monster, but monster, if you hear this, I will take three cases of salted caramel because, (laughs) yeah. My last seven years have been powered by monster, so I feel that. So you've been hiding this glorious, glorious drink from me this whole entire time? No, I haven't been hiding it from you. You've been judging me about the amount of monsters I drink in a day. And for that, I apologize because I did. <laughs> I gave you a lot of crap about how much mon- how many monsters you drank, and I think I've had about four today. <laughs> <laughs> it and and it like that brings us into you know one of our topics is the outside pressure people give you to snap back in shape and just not having the energy to do that. And I was probably drinking six to eight monsters a day with my first baby because so many people expected, well, this is only your first kid. You should be skinnier than you are. And I'm over here thinking I'm skinnier than I was before I got pregnant. What are you talking about? But I was walking five miles a day and I was exercising, doing push-ups, constantly lifting a car seat working, taking care of my child. And I maybe slept an hour, two hours a night, but there was so much pressure to just snap back into your pre-baby body, which for me, a lot of people wanted me to snap back into a better body, uh, which let's face it, that ain't ever going to happen. But a lot of people, there was so much pressure and it needs to stop. It just didn't needs to stop. It does. And, you know, it's crazy because on this side, I am one of those quote unquote fortunate women. As soon as I have my, even with my daughter P, the one that passed away in 22, I, the first, okay, I don't know. I don't know how much I've talked about my glamour um, from episode to episode, but I have a glamour who has zero filter. And after I'd had my daughter pee, the first thing she said to me, my daughter pee was maybe seven minutes old and I had had a vaginal birth. I stood up for the first time. And the first thing my um, grandma said to me was, huh, you were all baby, weren't you? And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's the first thing you say to me that I, I don't look pregnant anymore. So I'm, I'm one of the fortunate ones. As soon as I have my baby, my stomach goes, it, it looks like I'm all belly. But still, like, when I look in the mirror... So many people, and I've heard this from a ton of people. So you were very fortunate, and you are the minority in this circumstance. So many women were in the hospital, still looking pregnant, and no one has warned them. But but even being in the minority... I don't even know if I'm really in the minority. I think it's my family who sees me with clothes on because when I go into the bathroom to take a shower and I look at myself in that full length mirror, I just go, oh my God, it looks like my stomach went through a wood chipper. 
And I wasn't ready for that. Like, I didn't expect that. Like, I expected to have the baby bold. Like, I had a C-section this time. So I was expecting the bulge and the puffiness. I wasn't expecting it to just look like that because it didn't look like that last pregnancy. Nobody warned me that every pregnancy was going to take its toll because after, after pee, stuff went back sort of. But this time, I don't know if it's going back. <laughs> Yeah, no, as you know, I have been pregnant or in the postpartum phase for seven years. So my body never really got the chance to go back. But I mean, so I found out I was pregnant with L and I was 304 pounds. When I delivered him, I was 198. Six weeks postpartum, I was 220. And to me, my stomach looked like the whitest version of roast beef. Oy. It looked like sandwich meat. And I wanted to cry staring at myself in the mirror because it was just one baby. And he wasn't even an abnormally large baby. He was only seven pounds. So I was sitting there struggling. I'm like, but I lost all this weight and I'm eating healthy and I'm exercising. When is this flap going to go away? And it's not. It's not, nobody tell, everyone's like, oh my gosh, if you do enough crunches, it's going to tighten up. That is some bullshit. Be, I was about to say, I call absolute BS because the amount of crunches I've done, the amount of squats I've done, uh, baby, I should, I should, I should look, what's that girl's name? I should look like Julian Michaels right about now, but I don't. And that's okay because this body was birthed by baby. Like this, I became a mother and I earned all of my little tiger stripes. The best thing. And it, I, I, it's slightly an insult, slightly a compliment. It, it came from my five-year-old. M told me she was looking at my body and she goes, mommy, you're fat, but you made lots of babies. So it's okay for you to be fat because your body did a good job. Okay, I want to pause right here because while I understand why it was an insult, but also an accolade, that was just the way that that child could process it in a way that they understood. Because I'm sure she meant nothing bad no, by she it. She did not but mean because in our house, fat is not a bad word. Gaining exactly. weight is not a bad thing because we have positively promoted gaining weight for her because if you remember she, this is the one on the feeding tube yes. so when she said I was fat she meant it as a good thing I was so in my feelings at the at that time that it I had to take a step back to realize that she doesn't recognize fat as being bad because we have so positively promoted gaining weight to her so she was complimenting me but I took it as an insult and was like thanks kid you know, way to hit my self-esteem, but she was, <clears throat> she wasn't trying to, she was trying to compliment me. So, and that, that goes into just societal pressure in general, because I have had my mind so tainted about my weight and my size before having kids, after having kids, in between having kids by society, excuse me by society that I have such bad body image issues, even after having kids, knowing how amazing of a job my body has done to bring my beautiful children into this world. 
Oh no, absolutely. And I 1000% agree with everything you said. And it's like, my thought process was this, this little child who knows nothing, who not knows nothing, but, you know, doesn't know much about childbirth and stuff like that was still able to identify, Hey, my mommy gained a little bit of weight because she had babies and that's a, you know, and that's a natural good thing. While there are people like my grandma who put, who kind of placed my value on, oh, wow, you got really fat while you were pregnant. Um, and it's like, well, I'm supposed to. And, you know, you'll always get those comments from people like, oh, you haven't lost the baby weight yet. And you've had your baby and your baby's like four days old. You know what I mean? It, it's so crazy to me how children are more compassionate and kind about these sort of things than even adults are. Even some adult women who I'm sure have had their own struggles with body image and positivity after after baby. Yeah, and it's <clears throat> it's like you're expected to be able to do everything and drop the baby weight and love your body and snap back into those pre-baby jeans. No one's snapping into their pre-baby jeans. Throw them away. Um, or donate them. Because, you know, you don't want to waste them if they're good pants. Um, but when, when are you supposed to have time for yourself? When are you supposed to be able to do self-care? And, yeah, self-care is going to look different for you. It is going to look oh. way different. But when are you supposed to do that if you have to do chores, maintain your body, cook, clean, take care of babies, put on a full face of makeup and high heels? I'm sorry. I'm not mopping the floor in high heels. I don't know. That sounds kind of fun. <laughs> that sounds like a broken ankle. It does. But, you know, that's fun for me. But that sounds like a trip to the hospital and like five minutes by myself. Like I'm, I'm at this point, I'm willing. It, yeah, that might be considered self care. Oh wow, <laughs> my self care looks really different nowadays. It does. Back back before I had kids, my self care was, I'm doing my hair. I'm gonna do my makeup. I'm gonna go to the salon. I'm gonna do a facial, and now it's. I took a shower and I washed my hair. It's the bare minimum because that's what I can do. I put on a charcoal face mask and scared the shit out of my children. Look, my self-care was I, my nails were done every two weeks and I had my brows done and my locks retwisted and, and the, the extra pamper glitzy glam, uh, leg treatment while I was there. We're talking waxes. Oh, self-care was awesome. And my feet look like horses, horses hooves right now. My hands look like I have worked hard labor my whole entire life. Not that that's a bad thing. Um, yeah, yeah. My self-care now looks like me sitting on my bed, drinking a cup of cold coffee that I have reheated 17 times and going, ah, I survived. That's what my self-care looks like now. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm okay that it looks different now because as you know, as you mature through life, as you evolve through life and children and your stages, your self-care will look different and self-care is supposed to look different because it's supposed to cater to our souls, not to anyone else's standards, if that makes any sense. So I'm okay that coffee 
cold coffee is my, is my new standard. <laughs> Sometimes my self-care is literally driving the long way home from dropping the kids off because I want to listen to my podcast. Because yes. I, I, I have... We have our own podcast, but I listen to another parenting podcast, which I've shared with you. Um, and I listen to a couple of true crime and mythical um, scary stories and haunted and love my podcasts or my um, audiobooks or whatever. But sometimes it's just my husband's at home with one or two of the kids. I just dropped one or two of the other kids off at school or daycare or whatever. And I'm driving the long way home because I need that time for myself. And that's okay. Cause you deserve that time, you know, and you know, just like people pressure us into, um, into getting our bodies back. And I want to say that mostly it's those friends that you lose anyway. And we'll touch on that in a minute. Um, people also pressure us into not taking that self-care time because they want to know they want to come over the house and you're just like well don't come over because my house isn't clean well you're home with the baby how hard could it be what do you mean you can't get your house clean i'm I'm gonna pause for just a second and say the if you're coming over to my house and i have a newborn and you have decided that even though i said i don't want you coming over you're gonna come over anyway Get your ass in that kitchen and do the dishes. You're going to help clean this house that you wanted to come over to when I said not to because I haven't had a chance to clean because I haven't even had a chance to pee by myself. Preach. You are going to, you want to come over when I say not to, you're going to help me clean because I I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I just don't. Absolutely. Like, I hate the people that come to my house after I have babies and their whole intention is, oh, I want to hold the baby. Uh Uh-uh. I've been holding the baby just fine without you here. I need you here to help me do other things that I can't get done by myself right now. Like, come on, let's do these things. Um, It's great. And, and, you know, that kind of comes. Oh, there's so many parts that I want to get to with this. Um, But (laughs) let me go through the chores. Like, they're there are, you know, there's so much pressure to get those chores done, to get that laundry done, which you have a metric shit ton of at this point, mm-hmm. because I, oh my God, I didn't realize that my kids would make this much laundry. I understand I have two, but I'm running a load like every day. And I'm just like, where are these clothes coming from? You guys don't even own that many. Um, I but between- love you to death. Your family size is half my family size. So just imagine what you do, double it. I don't want to imagine that because that sounds like hell. I don't want to imagine that. (laughs) Okay. God bless you. Because I don't, I don't know how I manage to do laundry. Like I've only been a mom for eight weeks, but I am finally kind of getting, and some days I fall short. Some days it's either laundry eating or taking a shower. Some days I have to pick one of the three on a good day. I get two of the three. I've yet to get all three done. Plain and simple. I have no shame. I'll get there one day. It may be when they go to college, but I'll get there one day. I remember Um, when she was an infant, I basically lived on protein shakes because I could not sit down to actually eat because I had laundry and cleaning the house and wiping the four butts in my house. Well, 
three because one of them had just potty trained. Well, Let's no, say three I'm still wiping his butt. Um, yeah, three but it was a protein shakes. I lived on protein shakes because I couldn't sit down to have a meal. And that was probably the first three to four months of her life. I couldn't sit down to have an actual meal. So I, I feel you. Like, it doesn't get easier. It doesn't. Because I wish it did. But I, I, mm-hmm. ha- I had to make the conscious decision that I am going to let the toys and candy wrappers and shoes and clothes on the living room floor sit on the living room floor for an extra hour because I need to eat food. You do. Because sometimes, well, remember, self-care looks different. Sometimes eating is self-care. Because we as, we as mothers, we always put ourselves last. And eating is self-care at this point. It is. And it's like learning to prioritize myself in self-care. Um, it has become really, really hard. Because I, I do feel guilty. And I shouldn't feel guilty because I sat down to eat a peanut butter sandwich. Those are good. I shouldn't feel guilty for that, but I do. I do. And, you know, my older two want to be helpers so much. So if I'm making PB&Js for lunch, and I don't care if I get any hate for that being my kid's lunch, you know what? It has got carbs and grains and protein and sugars and fruit. PB&J is well-rounded, and they get a glass of milk. So Yeah, that sounds pretty well-rounded to me. <laughs> so, but my five-year-old and my seven-year-old, they love making peanut butter and jellies. So I will sit in the kitchen with them, and I will let them make their lunch and their little brother's lunch because G cannot yet eat peanut butter because it's too tacky in her mouth. Um, so she just can't eat PB&J, but she can have, like, peanut butter on crackers. Um, so they'll make their sandwiches and their brother's sandwiches, and they might even make one for me. And I have had people make me feel guilty because I allow my children to make their own food. They're going to have to learn to do it anyway. I was about to say, isn't that just teaching independence? Like, cause do we not teach our children independence anymore? Like, do we not do that? Apparently not. But it's. I am not going to be made to feel guilty. I shouldn't feel guilty because my children are eating peanut butter and jellies or because I'm sitting down while they make their own sandwiches because they want to. To them, that's fun. And honestly, they make minimal mess. Wow. Yeah. The most, I'm cleaning up a little bit of peanut butter, a little bit of jelly off of the counter because they set the knife down, like the butter knife, down on the counter. Um, so they do better than I do. And I'm sorry if anybody hears any, any little congested noses, baby Jay has decided to join the podcast. (laughs) We are going through a sleep work. Not, I don't need, I don't know if this is a sleep regression or if this is micro sleeping, but he slept for about, oh, 20 minutes. And he was like, hi, mom. (laughs) You my little baby. But I, but I totally, I totally get it. And you know, it's crazy. Those same people who kind of down you for letting them be independent and helping out with their siblings. Those are usually from what I've 
what I've seen, those are those people who are your quote unquote friends. Those same friends that are no longer friends after you have the baby. And that's something else that we don't talk about after postpartum. We don't talk about those friends who were, oh my God, I can't wait for the baby shower. Oh my God, call me if you ever want a baby, you need a babysitter. Oh my God, I can't wait to do this, 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 and this with you and the baby. And then after, you know, your six weeks here, no one answers their phone. No one answers their phone. Nobody likes anything on Facebook. Nobody sends you a message. Not a not a smoke signal. Not a nothing. Just the radio. The comment I've gotten from one of those people is, "You allowed your children to become your personality." What? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> because so as you know, right now I'm a stay-at-home mom, and for quite a bit of my children's lives. I have been mostly stay at home um, because my children are high needs and um, finding childcare, first of all, that can take care of special needs children that have not only the qualifications, but are affordable enough. That's freaking impossible. But it's like, okay, what would you like me to talk about, Brenda? All you talk about is your job. Your job has become your personality. I don't want to hear about your job as much as you don't want to hear about my kids. I don't have anything else to talk about because I don't get to do anything else. Yes, because you don't include me anymore. So my kids are all I have. You know, it's like, this is what I do. If I do go to the store, my kids come with me. If something exciting happens, usually it's my kids. Like today, I I probably nagged you to death when um, baby Jay like halfway rolled over and I was so excited about that also a little sad because he rolled over and he's that much closer to independence uh, um but yeah it's like those little things it's like we want to share them and we want to share them with our friends and then you know you turn around and your friends aren't there anymore and I want to let people who are going through this know that that's okay because you will find your tribe. Like when I first had, um, when I had my twins, I lost a lot of people in my life. I, I really did. There were a lot of friends who, you know, they were going to be there, a lot of family who was going to be there. And then it wasn't, and it wasn't until that first night where I got home and Spice was the only one that I could call. I mean, I did call one other family member and, you know, she was there for me. But when I realized that nobody was willing to answer that phone at three o'clock in the morning, but, but spice, that's when I realized, you know, blah, 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 like, okay, these may not be my people. And then when I realized that those same people had seen a missed call for me at three o'clock in the morning, and then when they woke up, never even thought to text me and ask if I was okay, if the babies were okay. That's when I knew they really weren't my tribe. But they had time to post stupid memes on Facebook, though. But they didn't have time to make sure I was okay when I called at 3 a.m. Um, I want to say you and I were on the phone probably, it, it, it was between 1 and 3 a.m. every night for the first week and a half at least. Because you, you're like, you've been through this. Help me. How do I... 
how do I do this? How I can't get him comfortable. He's gassy. He needs to poop. How do I do this thing? What will help him with this? Should I try a different formula? And every time you called, I was like, what's up? What you were you there. I answered Everybody. because I remember that feeling of having no one to call. I When Elle was born, I had zero people to call at three o'clock in the morning. I did, however... For a short period of time, I had my mother-in-law, my, my, my former mother-in-law, my first husband's mom. We were staying with her. I had her, and she helped calm my nerves. And she made me feel better about the things I was doing as a parent that I wasn't failing. But all of the people, my, my own sisters, who said, call us if you ever need anything, didn't answer the phone. They didn't call back. They didn't shoot a text message. And they both were already parents. I had no one. I remember that feeling. So the moment I saw your phone ring, like my phone ring with your face, I was up answering because I knew you needed that person. And and ladies and gentlemen, this is the kind of person that you need in your friend arsenal. And I promise if you don't have, I got, I am hella blessed that I found her before I had my babies. And just know that if you don't have a spice before you have your baby, you can, you can find one afterwards because there is a mother right now who feels exactly like you do somewhere and she will be your person I promise because even with me having spice I've found a couple of other mothers who are you know who are in the same spot I am in life and while we're not as close as spice and I are they are there you know and sometimes your family or people you're not even related to people you've never met people on the internet there there's a particular site where I met these ladies I don't want to say the name of it right now because it's going through its own it technical is. difficulties. Uh, it's changed over the last two or three years. Um, so it's going through its own technical difficulties. If, if it gets itself together, I will most definitely uh, say the name. I don't know if we can name drop. I'll have to look into the legality of that too. Yeah. Um, like I didn't just like say monster like 40 million. Like you you can find your tribe, I promise. And you know, there's that new TikTok going around where it's like one day your kids are going to realize that your family is literally just a group of people that you decided to keep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to explain to my kids that that's Auntie Spice. And it's like, well, who's Auntie Spice's mom? Uh, you see, that's really hard to explain. She, she for, for all funny. intents and purposes, she's your aunt. <laughs> the funny thing is, is Auntie Spice's mom isn't even actually Auntie Spice's mom. See, Mike, this is going to be a very hard family tree to make. You're just making it harder. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's the truth, you know. And it's like my my kids already. You're already Auntie, like. The moment I pick up the phone, they're all like, oh, my gosh, is it Auntie Sugar? Oh, and Auntie loves her sugar cube babies. <laughs> the funny thing is, I could be on that phone with the doctor, and they still are going to think I'm talking to you because we just talk that much. 
We do. And, and, and see, and that's the best part. I could talk to you all day and still never get tired of it. Um, Cause there's always something to say and there's, there's always something. And like I said, you, you have definitely been my village in this. Well, that is baby. If he would also like to make an appearance apparently. Um, but there's just there there is so much to this postpartum thing and just know that if you are here in this postpartum area it's all going to be all right like it's it's really going to be all right um and you know just just remember self-care is very important because those baby blues can sneak up on you and one thing i do want to mention about the baby blues and the postpartum like spice mentioned um the fourth trimester postpartum it does last up to a year um baby blues and or postpartum depression it can show up right after birth it can show up a week from then it can show up up to five years postpartum and i actually want to talk about the difference between baby blues and postpartum depression baby blues typically only last a couple of weeks um they say about eight weeks is pretty much on the high end that's the max after that it's more than baby blues it is a chemical change in your body it is postpartum depression which is caused by the chemical change and there there's a difference but they're equally as hard they are equally as hard to get through and i remember with l specifically and i know i talk about my pregnancy and my postpartum with him a lot but he's my first um, I remember I looked at him after he was born, you know, he was a C-section. So I came out of the OR, was in recovery and I looked at him, they brought him to me and I had been told my whole pregnancy, you're going to see this baby and instantly fall in love. You're just going to be so in love with him. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was like, here's this human that I am now responsible for keeping alive. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't instantly in love. I thought something was wrong with me. No, I'm starting to. I'm starting to think that's TikTok, Facebook, IG clout. And I'm sorry for every video I see where a woman is like, "Oh my God," I'm not saying that there's not women who are like, who are not like, "Oh my God," I absolutely love this baby. Um, because I did. I mean, most of us, even uh, all some of us who don't go, oh my God, that's my baby. We have love for the baby. That's not what we're saying whatsoever. But you know, it, it the movies always show it like there's a rainbow overhead and and unicorns come out of the closet. Yeah, and it's like that's not what that was. After I had my kids, oh my God, it's like oh my God, I love them, but my stomach hurt, my back hurt, my vag hurt, everything possible hurt. And that was the only thing that I could think of. My golden hour was terrible. (laughs) With with Elle, it's like, it it didn't, there was no connection. There was this infant is born. I now have to take care of it. Okay. I'm going to do that. There wasn't this instant connection, this, Oh my God, I'm so in love. This is amazing. No, it fucking sucked. I'm going to say it. It sucked. And I, you know, I had 23 hours of labor, emergency C-section. My body had been ripped in half to rescue my baby's life. Yeah. 
And here I am thinking, I've gone through all this traumatic stuff. I feel zero connection to this baby. And the connection did grow. Don't get me wrong. I would not trade him for the world. In fact, I would sacrifice the world for my children. I will give you four cases of salted caramel monsters for him. I don't like salted caramel. <laughs> I can't even find him. <laughs> but I know it's that connection formed, but it wasn't there instantly like they said it was. I didn't feel the connection when I was pregnant. And, I, you know, everyone was like, that's fine. That's normal. You'll feel it once he's born, once you see him. I didn't. And when I didn't, I was so scared that people were going to judge me and think I was a bad mom. I didn't tell anybody. I had postpartum depression undiagnosed until he was nine months old when I finally got help. You should never have to do that. Postpartum depression is so normal, but it is not normalized. Agreed. No one It should be talked about. Postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety needs to be talked about. So that women do not have to do it alone like I did. We shouldn't have to do it alone. You shouldn't. Especially when, I mean, statistically, the numbers that of women who have postpartum depression are high. You know, and even with... Uh, even with the baby blues being a temporary issue, those numbers are just as high. You know what I mean? And there, there are cancer support groups. There are other infectious disease support groups. You know, and there are support groups for postpartum depression, but you don't really hear about them. Um, it, They're it's, hard to find. They're far and few between. You know, absolutely. I, I want to say the numbers are something like 15%. One in seven women are diagnosed with postpartum depression in the first three months postpartum. And um, if we can put, the, and I want to put that in a little bit of perspective <laughs> with another ratio that we're used to, um, uh, you know, October, we're, we're four days out of it. No, three, no, four days out of it. One in five women will have a miscarriage. And one in seven women will have postpartum depression. Now think about that one in five and think of how high that number is. And it's only one in seven women who will get postpartum depression. So that number is just as high. Check on your people. Check on your people. Mm -hmm. Even if you're just calling them and texting them, send them stupid memes. Just checking with them. <laughs> your stupid memes got me through a lot of hard times. <laughs> oh my god, I know. It was yeah, it we we definitely um the stupid memes is um I I do have this one for our love language. <laughs> I have a friend of mine who um she does not have children, but we have the kind of relationship where about 80% of our communication is stupid memes that made us think of the other person. If you see a stupid meme that makes you think of someone that you haven't checked in for a minute, send them the stupid meme and then see how they're doing. Just that, that simple. That stupid meme may really be what gets them through. Because, you know, I, there, I don't think Spice really 
understands how many of these memes really got through to me and how much they, because, you know, I'm, I'm the hard, uh, non-sensitive type. Um, <laughs> um, some of those memes, you know, it, it's just, it, it wasn't a whole lot, but hear me out. It wasn't a whole lot, but it meant the world to me because somebody was thinking about me. I feel like some people think that after somebody has a baby, you have to make these huge, large gestures to prove something. And it's like, no, no, you don't. You just have to you just have to be there because granted, some women don't really want to talk, you know. Um, and that brings me to another thing. If you don't want visitors just like uh, Spice said, if you don't want visitors, you don't want visitors. They can either get in the kitchen and help or they can just not come. And I was one of the people who really didn't want visitors, to be honest, because I felt like crap. I looked like crap. I was still trying to get my legs up under me. Um, I didn't want visitors and not wanting visitors in your hospital room or at home before you're ready. There's nothing. Don't let anyone tell you there is. Um, I was the opposite. I wanted visitors. I wanted people to come. I wanted them to see my babies. I wanted them to check in on me and see me. I didn't have them. Really? Yeah. I want to say after M was born, um, there was one person, one person who came to see me and did not go see her. One person wanted to see me because you have to keep in mind, me and M were in two separate hospitals. She had been uh, transferred out. So I, I had people who actually went to go see her and didn't come visit me. Well, that's just rude. But there was one person and she's amazing. Still have good contact with her. She's a great part of my support system here. But she she did bring something for M. But she did not go visit her in the hospital. She came to see me. She wanted to see how I was doing. And that's important. But, you know, when A was born, there weren't. It it was COVID. So visitors weren't allowed. When E was born, there was two visitors allowed at a time. Nobody came. I had my husband, and no one else. When G was born, my husband was there for the first day. He got kicked out because he had a cough. Um, He was COVID negative, um, and he'd had the same cough for six weeks, but he was kicked out because he had a cough. Um, He had to go get a COVID test, um, and by the time he was able to get the results, we were being released. Oh. So I I was alone. I was alone when... L was born. I was alone after M was born. I was alone after A was born, after E was born, after I've been alone every time. And I was someone who wanted people to come. Oh, no. So I'm the opposite of you. Like, I do understand. Don't come over to my house. Do not come over to my house. But when it came to the hospital, I want to say the only visitor I got mad about, my father-in-law, uh, did come to visit M before she was transferred hospitals. Um, yeah. He held her before I did. Ooh, that's a cardinal sin. Um, yes, it is. So that was probably the only visitor I did not want there. Um, and that was because it, he held her. He took a photo with her. I had not met her. No. I They had to do a general anesthetic C-section. I was still in recovery. 
I had been put to sleep. I had not met her and he held her and took a photo with her. Oh, I would have been so mad at that hospital. Um, Cause I know. <laughs> so I had my C-section. I did have a postpartum hemorrhage um, and they were trying to get my hemorrhage under control. And the whole time I'm there, I'm just like telling anyone who listened, cause I'm completely doped up. I'm just like, you guys are doing everything but bringing me my baby. <laughs> and I know I sounded like a complete lunatic, but I'm just there. You know, the phone calls from the hospital room were hilarious because you were like, "I'm doing this and that, and they're doing every damn thing, but bringing me my babies." They are doing every dude. They are doing everything but bringing me my baby. And the lady's like, "We're gonna use this medication to get your bleeding to stop." And I'm like, "Okay, but if somebody else gives my baby a bottle first, I'm gonna be very upset." And I'm like, caring not about this hemorrhage. I'm just like, "Where, where is my baby? I know one is in the NICU, but where's the other one?" Um, it was man. I I would have been so mad at that hospital. I can't even tell you a lie. <laughs> Yeah, well, and I was I was mad at my husband as well because he allowed it. He allowed his father to. Um, his mother did not. She did not hold my baby before me. In fact, I do believe she came up to my postpartum room, my recovery room, before my husband did because my husband was staying with the baby, obviously. So she came up before going to see the baby. And, you know, she had my oldest with her and um she obviously she did go down to see the baby with me um but yeah no uh I want to say part of the reason him and I have never gotten along I mean um, he's got his own issues with me but I I did never really let that go because I was robbed of that opportunity yeah, I wouldn't have let that go. That's that's not that's not like taking the last drumstick out of the uh the bucket of chicken. That that's not really letting go of all. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, and you know, <clears throat> I had a hard time bonding with M because of all of her medical issues and the uncertainty of her stability and you know this surgery and that surgery and this hospital state. So I, I did feel, you know, kind of robbed of that. And, um, you know, I, I saw her for 20 minutes before she was gone for four days. I, you know, I was at the hospital, um, was finally let go so I could go to her hospital. I went straight from my hospital to her hospital, but yeah, well, four days. So they, we don't talk about that. You know, we don't talk about, uh, how, you know, if you're born with a child who has to go to a NICU, how, absolutely freaking terrifying that is oh um, yes i and i have my own horror story there because glamma glamma came with me she was my support person and the day after now mind you that whole night that i had them was just a whirlwind so the next day i asked my glamma to go to the nicu because i they they literally cut him out of me he was purple and they took him directly to the NICU after he was somewhat stabilized and intubated. And I told my glamma, I'm like, can you please go first? Because I didn't know, no one had told me anything. I didn't know what I was going to see. And I was so scared of what I was going to see. I made her go first. Nobody, nobody told, like he failed his BPP. He had a two out of eight. And I knew that was bad. 
tell you how bad it was. I walked into the hospital at three o'clock and I had my C-section at I was in C-section in the C-section room by 415 and they were pulling them out at 445. Uh, so I've never seen a C-section, an unscheduled C-section work that quickly. Um, and I, mean, then, I was waiting 24 hours. So see, see, exactly. It's like I the fact that they moved that quickly, the fact that. They whisked him out of the room that fast. The fact that, um, you know, I didn't get, I didn't see him and I didn't hear him cry. I didn't know what to expect. And it was 12 hours between them saying it was okay to see him in the NICU. And no, it was closer to 18 hours. It was about anywhere from 12 to 18 hours after the fact um, that they finally okayed someone coming to the NICU. You know, no one had ever come to talk to me to, to to tell me anything or what to expect or, you know, like there was no chaplain care, nothing like and nothing. That's offered. the difference between your hospital and mine, because, as you know, G also had, you know, M went to the NICU, but she went to a completely different hospital. I got no information about her. <coughs> other than this is what we found when she was born. She's likely going to need emergency surgery. This is where we're sending her. That's what I got. And um, I took to Google. That was a mistake. Don't do it. Google is the devil. (laughs) Yes, it is. But that was very traumatizing for me. And that was pretty much what you got as well. But when G was born, you know, G came out and she didn't really want to breathe and she was struggling and she had an APGAR of, uh, she had a a six and then it was a a three and, you know, they, they, she was really struggling. Um, and so they, you know, they paged the neonate team, they got them in there, they were working on her and then they're like, we got to take her to the NICU and they did, they took her to the NICU. My husband went with But the whole time the NICU team was working on her, that baby nurse who isn't part of the NICU team, she was there just for baby, but not part of the intensive care, was next to me. She was, baby's going to be okay. She's struggling to breathe right now. She's not able to clear her lungs. They're working on her. But other than that, she looked good. Good news is she's already pooped. That was a huge concern, you know. Um, cause as you know, with what M was born with, she didn't have the capability of going poop. Yeah. So, so that was a big thing. That was a big, that deal. was a huge thing, you know, to hear that she had already gone, you know, so I don't have to worry about that issue, but you know, and that nurse was there when E was delivered as well. She knows what had happened to the baby just before this one that they were currently working on. Yeah. And knows how soon, like how soon after he was gone, that we are here now. So yeah. she was amazing. And she made sure that we had someone to take me over to NICU two hours after she was born. Once she was stable. The moment she was stable, she had someone there to take me to the NICU. And they made sure I had a pump and was able to collect milk for her and... It's just completely night and day. So the fact that you were getting no news and with M, I got no news. 
astounds me because now having the experience with G that I had, I know they can. Absolutely. I know they can and they should. And, and that, you know, and it's so crazy because that nurse that you had that knew all of those things, my OB knew all of the things that I had gone through with baby P and knew what I had gone through with baby S. And, you know, I was welcoming double rainbows after a 20 week loss and a SIDS loss. And you would think that she would have wanted to keep me in the know. Absolutely not. No, but I don't. Well, okay. let me say this because I will defend people who are not here to defend themselves. Maybe she didn't say anything because she didn't want me to panic any more than I was obviously already panicking Um, because nobody goes into that situation with complete clear mind, you know. Um, So maybe she did it because she didn't want me to panic. Um, But that just made me panic more. So I wish she if that was what she tried to do, I really wish she hadn't tried to spare my feelings because it that whole between knowing he was okay. (sighs) I remember the little camera that they had on him. And you were like, can you check the camera? Yes. And I'm like, yes, I will take the And I screenshotted stuff for you. And I'm like, he looks so adorable. I even, I, I forgot about, no, I didn't forget about that. But I remember I asked you to look too, because I was just like, please look and tell me, because I don't, because my grandmother had taken one picture of him before they whisked him, whisked him away. They got, they were able to weigh him. And, you know, once they had like did the sternum rub and everything to try to get him to breathe, you know, they had incubated him at that point to take him to the NICU. Um, they allowed her to take a picture. She didn't want me to see the picture. And then afterwards I found out why, because he was swollen purple and he didn't look good. And I, I had no clue what to expect. So that whole night I was just thinking about that picture. And then you told me he looked good and he was all wiggly and he was fine. And I'm like, I think that was the first time I had taken a breath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I saw the picture in question that you're talking about that grandma took. And, you know, you look at that and he did, he looked scary it, that as a nurse having worked you know, in baby units, that was not a baby that you would look and say, oh my gosh, that baby looks great. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to say 36 hours later, I was looking at the camera and took the screenshot. He had looked so much better just in that small amount of time. He looked so, he looked a lot more like his brother. He he looked like a real baby. (laughs) He did instead of a marshmallow fluff. (laughs) You know, I'm, I might have to start calling him the mission of man. I'm, I, might, I might have to. I might have to. Because that, that was how fluent he was. Like, he was just big and goofy. But that's, that's my boy. And as crazy as it sounds, even with his rough start, he is the biggest. He is the most thriving. And he is the one that is definitely giving me a run for my money. I've loved having this conversation tonight, and I really think this was a really good topic to have, but I'm absolutely super excited about next week, uh, Mount Laundry tackling those chores before the avalanche. I know we kind of touched on it a little bit in this particular episode about not quite always getting it done, and I really want to go in-depth on like little things that you can do to kind of help keep yourself together, and this is going to be 
your time to shine because you are the organizational queen. I got um, my chore charts ready. Oh, I love it. Um, hopefully we can get a PDF up there on, on the website, on the blog in order to, um, so that you guys have something to print out and get some tips from the, from the queen herself. Um, and as always, if you want to watch the not watch huh i love it maybe one day we'll do videos if you want to listen to our last episode please feel free to go into our bio click the link um you'll also have the link to our blog it has recipes and other little fun stuff also there is a um a contact form if there's something you want to talk about we're more than happy to do episodes um, there's also a resource list just just go on and poke around i'm sure this you'll find something that you like and remember, life can be messy. That's absolutely okay. We'll see you next week. See you on the next episode.